welcome, welcome. Again, glad that you're here today. We are starting a brand new series. If you weren't here with us over these last few weeks, we just wrapped up a series called How To. You can go check that out at mbchurch.tv or there's some free CDs in the back probably, but uh, we're changing gears now. It's February. I always think of February as the love month. Anybody feel that way a little bit? This is Valentine's Day. And then I got my, you know, I got my wife's birthday in there too. This is the love month. So I, I want you to know that every time like, and my wife recognizes, every time I start thinking about a marriage series and studying for a marriage series, she goes, she can tell there's a change in me because my mind is flooded with all these thoughts about love and, and marriage and how to, how to stay in love and keep love alive and all that stuff. And so she'll just notice a slight little difference in me and she'll be like, wait a minute, you're preparing for your marriage series, aren't you? That's kind of messed up. You know what I'm saying? Why not just be like, yeah, which part? They both are. So we're starting a brand new series in the month of February. It'll run for four weeks. And so I encourage you, if you're married, you need to be here every single week. If you are single, you need to be here every single week. I believe that marriage series are just as much for single people as they are for married people. And here's why. It's because, I, and, and what's funny is I'm getting, I'm getting older. I know I look young and people still say I'm too young to be a pastor, which they're probably right. But um, what, what I've done is I've been in, in church long enough to where I've seen couples come up through church and, and couples that really listen to this stuff when they're single and listen to this stuff when they're dating. I watch their, mar- their married life is different. It's, they bypass so many of the issues. So if you're single, get in here. Guess what? Even if you've been divorced, and some of you um, look at marriage skeptically now because of divorce, I want to encourage you, like, get in here. The odds are that if you're divorced, you will probably be married again someday. And, and if that's not you and you just say, you know what, Todd, it is, it is done for me. I'm, you know, there's no way I'm going back. Then here's what I know, too. You know some married people. Or maybe you have kids and they're going to be married one day or they already are married. And so if nothing more, this will equip you to, to see some things, to know how to pray, to know how to encourage and help some other people. So get in here over these next four weeks. Everybody say staying in love. Staying in love. Staying in love. Now notice the series is not called falling in love. Do you know why it's not called falling in love? Yeah, that's easy. The reason, we already know how to do that. Have you ever had a hard time falling in love? No, no, no. You can't, do this real quick. Do you remember the first person you ever had a crush on? Real quick, just, yeah. just, just rewinding your mind. I remember there was this girl. Mm, her name was Charlene, and she had like a perm. And, and I was in fourth grade. That's when it all got real. You know what I mean? About fourth grade. I'm like, oh. And I had the googly eyes, and I was, I was in love. Some of y'all are in love with people you don't even know. Some of y'all are in love with like people on TV or people in movies. or You're like, falling in love is not the issue. You know how to fall in love. As a matter of fact, th- this is what Hollywood teaches you, right? Hollywood is the best teacher of how to fall in love. And that's why we have romantic comedies, isn't it? Now, have you ever noticed that there's not, there's not one movie, I've never seen, there's not one movie that is about staying in love. Have you ever noticed that? I'll tell you why. I thought about it. You, because it would be boring. It would be the most boring movie ever. If it was a movie about staying in love, it would just be like two couples like holding hands and watching TV together and doing, taking walks and living life together, enjoying life. It would be so boring, nobody would watch it. But falling in love, watch this. This is my proof. We're gonna take, we're gonna take our falling in love Hollywood quiz. Are you ready? I just thought this, this is just too fun not to do. I'm gonna give you a quiz. I wanna see how good you are at, at falling in love Hollywood style. Okay, in The Wedding Singer, Adam Sandler's a struggling musician who teaches an old lady to play music and he gets paid in what? Do you remember? Quarters, stock options, or meatballs? Anybody remember? Meatballs. Remember, she comes out and literally just two hands in his, just meatballs. Do you, now, who is Adam Sandler in love with? Do you remember? 
Drew Barrymore. Was Drew Mar- Do you remember her name? Julia. And the guy she was going to marry, his last name was Gulia, and her name was going to be Julia Gulia. See? You know how to fall in love. All right, that next question here. Okay, I know a bunch of girls like this movie. See, some guys like Wedding Planner, or Wedding Singer. Wedding Planner is more girly. But in the Wedding Planner, Matthew McConaughey falls in love with Jennifer Lopez, which is weird because he's engaged. And then he falls in love with his wedding planner. What was his job? Does anybody remember? He was an architect, a doctor, a circus. Okay, I just threw this one in to help people. So it's almost like 50-50 here. It was a doctor. No, he was a doctor. Remember, he's like a children's doctor or something like that. So anyway, all right, you guys not doing great at your falling in love quiz right now. Ooh, this is a good one. In the movie Sweet Home Alabama, Reese Witherspoon returns to Alabama to get her divorce finalized so that she can marry her fiancé back in New York. Who was her fiancé? McDreamy! Who said McDreamy? That is hilarious. Does anybody know who McDreamy's name is? Patrick Dempsey. You know what? I got to be honest. I'm thoroughly disappointed in you right now. <laughs> I thought, I, I, expect, I expect better out of you, especially you ladies, Okay. Let's keep going. In the movie 50 First Dates, Adam Sandler thinks he's finally found the girl of his dreams until he discovers she has short-term memory loss and forgets him the very next day. Where did this romantic comedy take place? Hawaii. Hawaii. Why do y'all know that one? Is that just too easy? Adam Sandler? Okay, Hawaii. Next, next one. I don't know how many of these. Okay, this is for old school people. How many old school people are in here? Don't be too proud. Okay. In the 1986 movie, Pretty in Pink, that's old school. Babe, this is right up your alley, right here. So, I remember this movie. What are y'all doing? So anyway, Molly Ringwald, as a poor girl, must choose between the affections of her doting childhood sweetheart and a rich but sensitive playboy. What was her childhood sweetheart's nicknames? You remember that? No, the, the, the friend that loved her. Ducky, who said that over there? Way to go, Ducky. Man, you know what? I, I, how many of you are too young to know this movie? You don't? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? All right, I had to throw in one for the old school. Okay, last one. We're done after this. This is, this is a good, this is another like, a dude would probably watch this one. How many of you took dancing tips when you watch this movie, guys? you like, you don't know how to dance, but when Will Smith taught that guy how to dance, you were like, oh, I can do that. I can do that. And you felt better about yourself? <laughs> Nobody is owning up to that. You're all liars. Anyway. Will Smith tries to woo the affection of Eva Mendes. On their first day, he takes her out jet skiing to Ellis Island to show her more about her family tree. On the island, they discover that her great-great-grandfather was a... That's right, he was a serial killer. Something the butcher. <laughs> so anyway, it turned out all bad. Okay, so, so needless to say, can we all admit that Hollywood has taught us how to fall in love? And falling in love is easy. Let me tell you what you need to fall in love. A pulse. That's all you need. That is so, it's some hormones, somebody that you think is attractive. You don't need much to fall in love. It just doesn't require all that much work, all that much effort. It comes so naturally to us. But, but even though, here's another thought about falling in love. It's actually easier now to find it than it ever has been before. See, it used to be back in the day that, that think about 100 years ago, you were confined to a community. Travel wasn't that prevalent. And then of course there was no internet. So like you you basically, you were stuck with whatever community you were in and you just, you just had to like, well, I guess I'm taking that one then. And and that's about what you had to work with. But now listen to this. There are 1500 different organizations that specialize in matchmaking. 
We, you know what I'm talking about, little matchmaking.com. There's 1,500 of those. So you can go online, do a little profile, and send it out there and put out the vibe, and then see how many suitors you have to want to come back. And Eric, did you do that? Is that why you're... Do you have a, a profile out there? You should. You should do that. So, so my point is this, is that falling in love is natural, and it's never been more easy to find love so that you could fall in love. But here's, now here's the dilemma that we all face. See, Hollywood will teach you how to fall in love. The Bible actually teaches you how to stay in love. But even those who are Christians still miss it. If you look at the divorce rate right now, we're talking about just, on, just under 50% of all marriages end in divorce. So inside of Christianity, the number is not that much better. But here's the hope I have for you. They will, they will because the numbers are skewed, because a lot of people will check Christian on a box because their mom was Presbyterian or Lutheran or whatever, and they, they kind of get lumped in that category. But what the studies have shown is this is that when it comes to two people who are actually walking with Jesus, attending a church, connected to God, and, and, and trying to live life in a godly way, you'll see those numbers go dramatically down. And I hope for, for the next few weeks, we give you what I think are the, the secrets, the things that are a little bit hidden, the things that go over our head, the things that we don't think about, the things that we would normally miss, because I don't know about you, but I really, really do want you to stay in love because how many know it's real easy to get skeptical right about now everybody let's be honest we have an entire generation of young people who are incredibly skeptical who look at marriage and really struggle with the question is it really possible i mean really is it really possible to stay in love a lifetime is it really possible to like find old people that still hold hands and love each other and kiss and want to be with each other like that because even, even some of the marriages that they look at, they look at many of them that end in divorce, almost half of them, and then out of the other half that are left over, sometimes they're skeptical because they look at those and they're like, well, they're married, but I don't know that they love each other. I mean, they, they, they stuck it out, but I, you know, I don't know if that was just for the kids or just for the, I, I don't know. And so even in the marriage they look like, it, it is a challenging, challenging question to say, is it really, really possible? And you know what's funny? Inside of your heart right now, I know what you're saying. You're saying, yes, it is. I, I believe, I know that it is, and you're faith people, so that's probably why you're saying that. But like, let's be honest, even if, if I was talking to a regular group of people that weren't Jesus followers, I'm, I'm telling you, inside of us all, there are still most people that say, yes, yes, I believe. And you know what it is? That it's hope. Isn't there a little bit of hope in all of us that we want to believe? And we believe that even though it might not be possible for everybody, it's at least possible for me, Right? It's, it's got to be. It's got to be possible. And so, we, so we, we really want love to last. We really want that to last. So the question becomes this, why doesn't it? Why is it so hard? Because it's easier than ever to fall in love. I, I would say the opposite is true. It might be harder than ever to actually stay in love. Here's one of the main reasons I think why. Have you ever thought about this? Like we take our cues on marriage primarily from our parents, don't we? That's where we get our views on what it means to be a husband and what it means to be a wife and how to, how to relate to one another and love to one another and do life together. And so many of us, we've never seen love last forever, have we? If we, if we looked at uh, maybe our parents as the blueprint, now th- there's a small percentage of you out here that would raise your hand and say, yeah, my mom and dad were awesome. My mom and dad loved each other. My mom and dad stayed together the whole time. But I mean, I even look at, at my parents' marriage, and although there were some good things about it, it was not something you would write a love story about most of the time. 
It was a struggle. It was a challenge. It was difficult. And so many of us, we have never seen what it's like to stay in love. And here's why. Just the way we treat people sometimes. Think about it. We grew up in a world where it's not, you know, Jesus taught do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. This is what we call the golden rule, right? We just live by the rule, though. This is the rule. Do unto others as they deserve to be done unto. And that's what we see. We see that do unto others as they do unto you. That's revenge. Do unto others as your mood would have it. Is that pretty? Yeah. Do unto others as to get them to see things your way. That's marriage way. That's, that's, do, do unto others until you wear them down to get your way. Do unto others, well, just do unto others until you're ready to leave. And that's the model that we've seen. And yet, can I give, I'm going to give you guys a secret. I don't tell other people this. I'm just tell you this. I used to look at Scripture and when I looked at scripture, I would think when it comes to like, God, speak to me about marriage and show me marriage and husband and why and all that's like, teach me this stuff. And I would assume that you would go into the Bible and look at scriptures concerning marriage and that that's where you would find all your insight. And while that's true, that's only partially true. You know what I discovered just a couple, two, three years ago? I actually had this epiphany and you're going to think, well, duh, Todd, this is what you're going to say when I, when I tell you this. But, but I guarantee you, most of us don't look and live like this. I started looking at all the Bible and I started looking at every scripture that deals with human interaction and how you treat other people. And I began to ask myself the question, holy cow, what if I applied that to my marriage? Because when you sit there and think do unto others as you would have them do unto you, you think that means like, that's people. That's not my wife. And that's different. That's like, that's like my neighbor. That's my coworker. Like all these things about like how you should encourage people or be patient with people or extend grace and mercy to her. That's not your wife. I mean, you live with her. Do you know how hard that is? I'm mean, like, that's difficult, Todd. It is easier when we talk about people because I don't have to be around people all the time. I mean, my coworker, I'm with them for a little bit and then I can leave or I can, I can get away or I, can, I only have to see them two to three days a week or whatever it is. But like, that, the people is easy. But like, when, when Jesus says these radical things about how you love one another, like that was people, right? And I realized that's not people. As a matter of fact, how much more so should that stuff apply to your marriage? The person that should be the most valuable person in your life, the person that you have a covenant relationship with. And, and, and here's, here's, the, here's the real remainder. The person that you need to do that the most with just based on proximity. Think about it. We know you have issues. We know she's got issues too. That's not the issue. The issue is that your coworkers, they all have issues. The problem is, is that proximity allows you to mask those things, hide those things, cope with those things. All of a sudden we stick two people in the same house and make them share a bathroom? I mean, you're just, you're just begging for it. So how much more so do we say, what if we did unto our wife or did unto our husband the way we would have them do unto them? And, and all the scriptures that apply to that. And I'm, I'm just telling you, that's where it all comes from. The other reason why it's so hard is because of just the issues that we pick up in life. I was reading a study recently and the study said this. It was talking about child psychology and it basically did a study on what a child needs throughout its entire childhood so that when they're adults, they can have healthy, strong relationships. You wanna know what they came up with? Here, here's what they said. A child needs, and, and we're talking about not just a little bit, but like heavy doses of this stuff. Are you ready? A child needs to be raised in an environment where they have respect, encouragement, 
comfort, security, approval, support, appreciation, attention, and affection. Holy cow. How many of you got that as a kid all through your life? How many? Yeah, like a couple of us maybe? Like how many of us? So, so basically the study just says we're all doomed. Is that, is that pretty much? We're all, we're all doomed. We're all lost here because we didn't get that. And here, here's what's funny too is apart from our relationship with God, if, if we don't ever have God satisfy those needs and heal those issues of our heart, we bring those right into the marriage, don't we? And then we start projecting on our spouse and we're saying, you know what? I, I have some needs. I just want you to be aware of this. I know you're my wife now and I, I, I need you to you know, do some things, but I, I'm going to need heavy, heavy doses of respect, encouragement, attention, da, 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 da. and I'm going to need you to get going on that right away. And as soon as you don't get going on that right away, I become a needy person and I've got my issues bubbling back up to the surface again. Because now we, what we didn't get as kids, we still need in life and we expect those things out of our spouse. And you're expecting it to, to get that from a spouse who also probably didn't get it as a child. And you know what they need? Love, attention, affection, respect, encouragement, all those things. And so, so let's just be honest. We, we've never seen it modeled. We've got our own deficiencies in our life. And we, we've got all these, you know, Hollywood misconceptions and we take our cues from, from culture and we take our cues from our parents and then we get into divorce and we wonder, why did I fall out of love with this person? Because this, this is the other thing that we run into as well is, is we run into, because we've been trained how to fall in love. How many know when you fall in love, that's when you have the greatest feelings, isn't it? Do you remember the puppy love? Do you remember the, yeah, the butterflies can't sleep at night? Don't want to get off the phone with them? Don't want to say goodnight? Let's talk all night. Let's just talk. And when you weren't talking, you were doing other things. And, and so, so my point was like, like when, you, when you had all the feelings, all those feelings were so strong. And here, here's what's funny too. You had feelings that were so strong that I guarantee you at times you thought to yourself, you're like, no one has ever loved like we love right now. Our love is so pure. Our love is so amazing, like a song has not been written, a movie has never been seen that could capture the essence of our love towards one another and the strong, strong feelings that you had. This is, another, this is, this is why, we, again, we, when we take our cues from culture, we, we're, we're doomed for failure. It's because what happens is them feelings don't last. That's teaching you how to fall in love. That's not teaching you how to stay in love because... Those are the feelings. And so what we do is this, is when we get into a relationship, we love the feelings. And then when the feeling leaves, we think something's broken. And so you know what we think? We think, oh, you know what it was? I must, I must have married the wrong person. Because I want to recapture the feeling, right? I mean, the feeling is amazing. I want the feeling. And so because we want the feeling so bad, we ask ourselves, when did I feel the, the, the feeling the most? It was when I first started out in a relationship. So you know what I need to do? I need to go find a new person. Because I've lost that feeling. And so since I've lost that feeling, I need to go find a new person. It's the right person myth, right? It's that, it's that if you find the right person, you will always be in love. And that's just not true. That's just not the way life works, is it? If we're realist, that's not how life works. Because if not, you'll be bouncing from a relationship to relationship just so that you can recapture what? The feeling. See, in the relationship, at the beginning of the relationship, that feeling drives it, doesn't it? It's the excitement and it drives the relationship. Once you've been together for a certain amount of time, it no longer becomes the thing that drives it. It's the caboose. Does that make sense? In the beginning of the relationship, it's at the front of the train. By the time the relationship moves forward, it moves to the back of the train, meaning it follows something else. I'm going to tell you what it follows. Now today, here's the deal. Now whenever we do series, you've you got to know, and if, if you know me, you know this, is, is we build upon an idea. 
So today, I'm just going to lay the foundation. And you're going to have a lot of questions. You're going to have a lot of, but Todd, do you know? And Todd, do you understand how she is? Or do you know what he did? Or you're going to have all, I know, I know, I know. But just for this, you need to humor me because that's why you need to get in here all four weeks. Today, we're going to lay the foundation. Because into all the craziness, into all the deficiencies, into all the problems that we face at staying in love, Jesus speaks some incredibly and yet simple and yet powerful and profound words. And when you, when you hear it, you're almost going to be tempted to like dismiss it, but hang on to it. Are you ready? Into all the chaos that is trying to stay in love and be married, even in today's culture, this is what Jesus says. Jesus says in John chapter 13, verse 34, he says, a new command I give to you, love one another. That's it. That's the antidote. That's the foundation of all healthy relationships. And all of you are like, well, yeah, I know that. We're like, duh, Todd, you should study harder. Um, we, already, we already knew this. But, but see, here's the difference in how Jesus puts it and how we put it. Does that make sense? Because for us, love is something that we kind of fall into and we think that we're not in love anymore. We get to a point in the relationship and there's too much friction. There's too much argument. If you do the studies, what you'll find is that the, 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 the number, number one and number two reasons that people you know, basically get divorced is, is a lack of commitment and too much arguing. And so we get to those points in the relationship and you know what we discover? We discover, well, I'm just not in love anymore. And this is, and so, so Jesus says, if you could leave this on the screen, so Jesus says, well, you should love one another. Well, no, 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 Jesus, but I'm not, I'm not in love anymore. Is this not what I said? You're, you're, mis, you're misunderstanding me. Jesus would make a terrible marriage counselor, by the way. Like, because you would be up in your office, like, you know, upset and tore up and miserable and talking about all that he did and talking about all that she did. And you'd be working out all the drama and the details. And you would, Jesus would, Jesus would say, well, like, but did you love her? And you're like, yeah, but Jesus, I'm not, you don't understand. Like, we don't love each other anymore. We're not in love anymore. He goes, that's not, that's not what I said. Do you, are you loving her? See, we think of love as a noun, right? A noun is a person, place, or thing. And so we think love is something that you fall into like a swimming pool, right? Or you can fall out of like a high chair. You, you just, it's just a thing. And so we think it's a noun. Jesus never describes love as a noun. He describes love as a what? As a verb. He goes, no, 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 I'm not asking if you're in love. That's, that's kind of irrelevant, to be honest. That, uh, thanks, Jesus. Um, I'm not saying that you need to be in love. I'm saying you need to love someone. Like, you need to love your spouse. So the question would be, what are you doing to show that person that you love them? And then he doesn't even let you off the hook. He makes it harder. And he goes, and I'm not talking about the way the world loves. He's saying, I I'm saying, as I love you. The way that I love you, that's the way I want you to love other people. Like, I love you unconditionally. I, you're already dysfunctional. I like you anyway. So, like, if your husband or wife are dysfunctional, that's okay. That doesn't change the, the rules of the game here. I, I just want you to love them. But I don't feel like I'm in love anymore. I, I, that's not the question. I want you to love them. I want you to do something. I want you to love them. Now, now here's what you need to know. is like, this is, is not just a Jesus thing. The Apostle Paul says this. So go to, go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 21. He says something, basically the same thing, but he says it in a slightly different way. As a matter of fact, he uses a dirty word. Submit. That's a dirty word. Isn't it? I've gotten in trouble. I've gotten people mad at me because I got up and preached submitting. Like straight up, got an email. So su submitting. 
And what's funny is, is normally we will, we will get two or three verses down in Ephesians 5 and we'll, we'll hear about how wives should submit to their husbands and that's absolutely true. The, the counter argument to it is this though, is guys, you are to love her like Christ loved the church, which means he died for her. So like, I don't know which one's easier or harder. Like women, women always can't take the bad route because they have to submit, like you have to die. You have to die to yourself. You have to die to your selfishness. You need to be able to surrender and sacrifice and give up everything because that's what Jesus did for you. So I, don't, I, I think it's maybe harder for guys. You have to kill it. Does that make sense? But, but let's just start here. Because before he even gets into loving and submitting, and he, he says, I want you to submit to what? To one another. This puts some teeth on it, doesn't it? All of a sudden, it went from love one another to like, let me put some teeth. We can put some traction on this thing. Here's what this means. I want you to mutually submit to one another. I want you to mutually surrender to the other person. So if you're here and you're, you're married today, you can go and just look over your spouse. Uh-huh. And know that you're to submit to one another. And, and not because they deserve it, not because they earned it, but just because out of reverence for Christ. So, so this, is, this is what it means. Let me, let me help you understand what it means to mutually submit and to love one another in this way. What it means is this, is that you make the other person the priority of the relationship. Now, this is powerful. This is amazing. This is, what, this is why what Jesus and what Paul says, it just breaks the mold. And here's why it is. In a relationship where you have two people that say you're the priority of the relationship, you know what you have? You have a powerful love. You have, you, have a, you have a love that's probably obnoxious to other people. It's irritating to watch. Because they, they, they so want to put the other person ahead of themselves. It's like two people get into a door and the guy opens the door. It's like, you go first. And she's like, no, no, you go first. No, 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 you go first. You're more important than them. You're, you know, you're, the, you're the priority. No, 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 you go first. You're the, they never get in the building. <laughs> Somebody go inside. What would marriage look like? Now, I know some of you are going to be here and be like, well, I would do that, but my husband wouldn't, or I would do that, but my wife wouldn't. Here, here's the deal. I want you. If you're in here today, I'm telling you that if, if you're both here today, a great marriage and the foundation of all great relationships is when you prefer the other person above yourself. And, and just so you know, we're going to talk a lot about this next week and actually talk about a whole set of scriptures that will detail what this might look like and what it will take to achieve this. But I just want to prepare you right now that the reality is, is that for you to have a great lasting marriage where you grow old together and you still love each other, I'm telling you, it begins when you love one another. Because here's, here, here's what we know. The more you make love a verb, the more that person is the priority, the more that thing happens in your life, your relationship will grow and be amazing and be incredible and be a model for everybody else to look at. Does that make sense? The foundation of staying in love is to make love. A verb. I see. Let me, let me, let, let's just, the foundation of staying in love is to make love. A verb. Okay, I'm gonna tell you something else I won't tell other people either. The more you make love a verb, the more you will make love. Does that make sense? The, 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 the more you make love a verb, the more you will actually just make love. Let's stop there though. So, see, love is a verb. I'm not talking about a thing. I'm not talking about a feeling. I'm not talking about a state of being. I'm talking about a thing that you do. So here's the penetrating questions that we have to ask ourselves. 
is when I think about love and I think about the other person, what am I doing to express to them love? What are the things, what are the actions, what are, what are the... What are the, the, the comments, the, the, the gifts, the whatever it is? This, is? this is where learning your spouse is so important. Because you, what you'll find out is that, is that, at least I'll talk about from a guy's perspective, women are different. I don't know if you know that or not. They're not all the same. They are so different. And the way they're wired and the way they think and the way they feel and what makes one feel love will make another one feel, eh, no big deal. And so you've got to study her. You've got you to figure her out. You've got to find out. And I could, tell, I could tell you 10 things right now that my wife just likes. I could also tell you 10 things she hates too, by the way. Um, I might even have a bigger list for what she hates. But my, my point is this, is that if you think of them like this, the Hebrew word for making love is to know someone. Isn't that why the Bible says, and Adam knew his wife Eve, and then they conceived and gave birth to He knew her. There's a level of relational intimacy that takes place. And the more I know my wife, then the more I can love my wife in the ways that she will feel loved. Because many times, guys, you, 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 we, we make the big failure of trying to love our wife on our terms. We try to love our wife with our definitions of what it means to love somebody. This is why we'll get back and say, well, why work hard? Why make a lot of money? Well, you, you see what I did in the yard? That, that don't matter. She don't care nothing about that. She wants you to take her dancing. Now shut up and go put on your dancing shoes. That's, here's why. Because if that's how you know her and that's what would make her feel love, that's what we do. So when Jesus said, I don't want you to feel love, I want you to do love. It's a verb. It's a thing that you do. And you know what? Here's, here's what's funny. Is, is the divorce studies will show you that they do the exact opposite. As a matter of fact, in divorce studies, what they'll find is, is they're always determining, like, let me read you the statistics. When asked if people wish that their ex-spouse had tried harder to work on their differences, 31% of men who had divorced said they wished they had worked harder on their marriage, but 74% of them wished that their spouse would have worked harder at the marriage. For, for women, it was real close. They're nicer than we are. 13% of women who had discovered that, uh, or had divorced said they wished they had worked harder to save their marriage. 65% said they wished that their ex-husband ex had worked harder. So, so you know what you have? In all divorced people, you know what they're all saying? They're all saying, well, I didn't need to change, but they needed to do more. Well, I didn't need to do more, they needed to do more. And Jesus inverts that and flips it on his head. He says, no, 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 you need to do more. That's how you love one another. It's, it's a verb. I don't care what they did. That, that's not the issue. I'm caring about what you're doing. Because love is a verb. And the more you make love a verb, the more your life and your relationship is powerful. It's amazing. All based on this simple idea of what if when you looked at your spouse, you didn't say, what do I feel? But you said, what am I doing to show love to this person? And every relationship that you have in life, that's how it really works. How much more so in your marriage? When Paul talks about submitting one to another, what he's saying is this, is elevate the other person higher than yourself. It doesn't mean you're worthless. It doesn't mean you're not deserving of it. It doesn't mean any of that stuff. You're just elevating them higher than yourself, not because of them, but because of Jesus. Does that make sense? I, I wrote it down like this, and I don't think this is gonna be on the screen, but I wrote it like this. You place yourself under the other person, not because you are lesser, but because Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. As long as you look to that other person to give you the affection, attention, encouragement, respect, all the 20 things we need, you will always be a little bit deficient.
But when we learn as people to draw our love and our strength from God and then give it to our spouse and we make loving them the priority and we make them the priority of the relationship, can you imagine? What would the world look like? What would the world look like if Christian marriages looked, at, looked like this? Where a husband looked at a wife and said, no, you're the priority. You're more important than me. And what if in return, the other one said, no, 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 you're more important. You're the priority. You are more important than me. So if you're here today and you've got your spouse, you need to look at him right now. And you might even want to say it to him after, say, hey, you're more important than me. I love you. And I'll do whatever it takes to help you feel loved. And I'm here to submit and to surrender to you. Now, that doesn't mean that men are no longer the, the head of the marriage. That's not what that means. It just means that this is the foundation of great and healthy relationships. Get in here next week. Because this is just the beginning. This is just the foundation. Because everything else is built on this idea that love is not a noun. Love is a verb. Love, love is not a feeling. It's a choice that we make to do something to make that other person feel loved. Let's pray this morning. Jesus, what you have said might seem impossible to some of us. What the Apostle Paul says, it, it, it probably feels too much of a stretch for some of us. But God, I pray through your grace and your strength that God, we can do all things through you. There's nothing too hard. And God, for some of us, we need to have some healing in our marriages. We need some healing into our souls. God, we, for many of us, need to start drawing our strength and our love from you, God, instead of trying to drain our spouse empty so that, God, we can love them as you have loved us, so that we can mutually submit to one another and make the other person the priority. God, this, we're gonna need your help. This is beyond us. We cannot do this in and of ourselves. We can only do it because you have first loved us. And as we draw on that, God, help us to give it to our spouse. As we lean into that, God, help us to, to give it to our spouse. God, I pray over these next few weeks, Lord God, that our heart is open, that, Lord God, you're healing our hearts, that, you're, God, you're healing and restoring marriages, that you're putting lives and families back together. God, we pray that you would have your way in our families, God. We pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?